Greetings. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor, brought to you by Heart and Soul Broadcasting Services. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. Today I'm in conversation with Ruveneko L.C. Parenyata, a broadcast journalist and media consultant. If you enjoy this conversation, remember to subscribe, to like, and share. Let's get down to some work. Ruveneko Elsie Parenyato. Welcome to In Conversation. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. And I always um, applaud anyone who does something consistently and well. And you've done that. Oh, thank so you very thank you. much. Thank you very much. You know, the, the thing about this show is that I'm getting to learn a lot of people's middle names, the names that they don't want people to know. Elsie, <laughs> that's a beautiful name. Thank you very much. It's from my great-grandmother. Yeah. Um, it's my great-grandmother's name, uh, my father's grandmother from the paternal side, yeah. Yeah, so that's where I got that from one Secret from. out, people. Um, so I was, you know, I'm inviting you here. I have this picture in my mind. You and I are flying from Johannesburg or to Johannesburg. You're sitting with your friend up front and you're giggling. And I'm saying, oh, these kids. But what's been fascinating for me is how this kid that I saw giggling has built this amazing brand. How have you done it, Elsie wow. Ubeneko? Yeah, look, the giggling is part of it. You've got to stay happy in life. Um, it keeps you young um, and it keeps you well. But look, I think the brand has built itself in a lot of ways. Had you asked me on that flight if I knew where the brand was going or if I'd be here today, I probably would have said no. Um, it's not something that I, I woke up expecting um, mm. in a lot of ways. And my career has opened doors for me that I didn't even know would open or that mm. would be possible for me. Mm. And what I've done with every opportunity is seized it and tried my best to put my best foot forward at every turn mm. and make sure that if I'm in the room that I'm remembered and that whatever opportunities, whatever privilege, whatever access I'm given, I take it and harness it. Um, so that's how the brand has just progressed mm. from, from television to, to online, to radio, to TV. You know, it's, it's been an evolution um, and I've, I've enjoyed every what bit of it. What has surprised you mm. about you being where you are now? I think what surprises me is still when people stop me and they say, hi, Ruveneko, I don't think that ever gets old. I'm sure you can testify mm. that sometimes you're in the most unassuming place, minding your own business in the most mundane outfit or with family, just doing something so every day. Then someone stops you and, and reminds you that, no, 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 people out there know you and people are watching and um, people appreciate the work that you've done. So there is a mark that you leave on people when you do this work, as you know. Um, I don't even know whether I should call you Trevor or Mr. Nube. This call is me awkward. Trevor, you're my child, I mean, but call me see, Trevor. Do you yeah? see what I mean? Um, <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's, um, that still surprises me that you, know, you make so much of a, of a ripple effect in the work that you do without realizing it. Mm. Someone will remind you of a show that you did on radio in 2016 Amazing, when you interviewed so-and-so and you're like, how do you remember that? But that's also the magic of radio 
it's it's a it's, it's a type of broadcast platform that captures hearts genuinely you've got heart and soul you know what mm. i'm talking about i'm sure your mm. presenters will tell you mm. that radio has this magic because you don't see each other with your listeners you don't know who they are where they are what they're doing um they don't know your face sometimes thanks to social media now you know radio before when mm. you were you mm. know younger you hardly knew what these presenters looks look like if you ask your generation do you know what peter jones looked like a lot of them will say no because there's just a relationship you yeah. build with the voice and you assume you know the person and you assume you know the person so the, the magic happens yeah the brand builds itself yeah. but i want to i want i want to ask you about the deliberate things you have done to build the brand so the most important thing i think is um is being true i have made sure that if i have got nothing to say i keep quiet that if i am doing something i'm doing it in a way that i believe in um you study journalism so you know the basic ethics and you know I the challenges i didn't actually there's some you people didn't. don't know no but let's talk about you now let, me, I that. let me ask <laughs> you about you well, okay. see how i'm let, about let, to turn absolute, this absolutely no yeah. this around. the beauty about yeah. having you here is mm. that you you are a journalist you can ask this question so i was never trained in journalism no i way. have never been to journalism uh, school um this is god using me wow um um i got appointed to run the financial gazette the premier financial gazette fingers fingers um uh, in 1989 without experience without having been in a newsroom never right, and right. people gave me 6 months they said he's going to fail and leave Seven years after there I, you I, were I, I, there I was then got fired and and and, and so forth but I'm walking God's purpose. Yeah. I'm doing God's will. I'm doing God's work right. and he's empowered me to do to do. Wow. This. See? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think you're doing it so well and so professionally that it is an assumption that this is your line. You understand? And yeah. also because you've been in this for years, you know. So so there we are. Yeah. Um but the deliberate you know, things you did. Deliberate mm. things, you know, and um it it is for me um having to to say if I'm going to ask someone questions um and i know the answers which is 101 with journalism right don't ask something that you don't know the mm. answer to so you know you've done your research and you ask someone a question as a subject on your show and um they try to 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 to, to you know to avoid what you're asking or to to answer smart um and the idea is that you have to pursue and you have to get the answers mm. because once you're putting on a show or an interview you're not doing it for you and that guest mm. you're doing it for your audience mm. and the line that i chose which was current affairs people wanted to know and in the zimbabwe that we live in people demand answers because there's so much that doesn't make sense to them so if you're going to sit down with somebody who is a leader or a mover or a shaker your responsibility is to your audience to say what do they need to know and understand about what zimbabwe is looking like today mm. so i made sure that um no matter what i pursued the answers mm. so i think that uh, set me apart in a way um i tried not to be afraid because if you are afraid you don't achieve anything as you know fear can cloud everything and stagnate everything mm. so i would make sure that i put my neck out to say look until you've answered me i'm not letting it go you know as a dog with a bone and um it was it got me into trouble many times it it made people not like you yes can i have a, can i make a confession <laughs> yes i hated you <laughs> when you did the interview with gosana moy because Why? you asked these questions and i like why is she going there 
What but, do but you because, mean? Because, because I, I, I liked Gosana Moya. I yes. wanted Gosana Moya to be I the president. See. And there you were getting in spoiled. Well, he was trying to be the president of my Zimbabwe and everyone's Zimbabwe. And he deserved to be asked the important questions. And now, if you are someone rooting in his corner, I understand how you would have wanted a certain picture to be painted. But I interviewed him and many other candidates who are running that year. And it was an interesting year, you know. Um, and he handled it well. So, so there you were, I am you were as being the protective, exactly. but he handled it, okay? <laughs> because he's 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 intelligent, yeah. you know, and he is um, those technocrats that people respect. And um, I I really was. But the thing the thing mm. with Nkosana is he you'll ask him a question and then he turns it around and asks you a question. That's why I'm saying he's no, so intelligent. You, yeah. You've got to be careful with your guests. You've got to be careful. You got to be careful with me because yeah. just now I'm about I to interview know. you. Um, but, so who's been the yeah. most difficult person to interview for you? Um, the most difficult. <laughs> um, I like you before you sharing. I'll say the most, the most challenging. Yeah, would be um, there were two. Okay, the 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 most challenging was uh, Honorable Temba Mliswa. Why? Because I often interviewed him in the heat of something he was in the middle of. And you know him when he's passionate about something or something has happened or legislation that he believes in has not been passed. When he's in the middle of trying to achieve something, you don't want him on your show because he gets fired up. And I remember one particular show on uh, Cappy Talk Radio where he walked out of the studio. That's how angry he how was. How did that make you feel? <sighs> you see... I have I had interviewed him so many times before, so I knew how he gets, but never to that extent. And it made me feel bad because at the end of the day, when you're bringing someone onto the onto your show, they are your guest, and you're supposed to treat them well and make them comfortable. And obviously, something triggered him, and to a point where he thought he needed to walk out. And he doesn't do that; he doesn't even walk out of Parliament. Now imagine him walking off your set. So that was that was he's he's a challenging guest, and also because he has his wits about him. Yeah. And if you do not have someone else on the show, if you're discussing politics with Honorable Mliswa and you don't have someone on the show to rebut or to challenge him, you end up having to play devil's advocate, which is not the way to do journalism. No. So he's a challenging guest because he can go and go and go and go at someone or at a policy and you can't challenge. So you want to put him in a debate setting where it's him and another guest. Mm. So that's one. The other guest who was um, probably the most difficult was the late Richard Morgan Trangirai. Uh -huh. Why? Because Why? of the time, mm. you know, um, the time that I interviewed, I remember pleading with my boss at the time when I was still at ZFM to say, please, can I interview him? Please, can I interview him? And his office had said yes, but it was now getting clearance to continue with that interview, which wasn't so easy. Now you can imagine I was young, I was probably late 20s by then and um, nervous. And this is the first time he had been given an, 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 a national platform to actually speak. And it was live. You understand? Yeah the sensitivities around mm. it. So it was a huge responsibility. And to this day, I feel like I might not have done the interview justice, but I'm just glad that I was part of giving him a voice that Zimbabwe had never given him right. to be able to speak as an opposition leader live on radio, you know, and say what he needed to say. So that was hard because it's like, oh, if I mess this up, this could be my career gone. Mm. Um, so that was a big challenge. I, I thought you'd say the interview with uh, Tafazom Sarira, that incident. <laughs> Uh, where, if you recall, yeah. I really was upset by yeah. the way you were treated yeah. uh, um, over this flag thing. Mm. Talk to me about the lessons from that encounter. 
Look, yeah, look, look, that one, look, we ended up in court, as you know, with that issue. It, it ended up bigger than I realized. So it was my most challenging post-interview, not the actual interview. I wasn't challenged by that. Um, it was what happened afterwards. Look, in summary, I learned that um, no matter how strong or tough your guests might be out there, right, politically, they are human. And um, especially with men. They have egos, they have, um, you know, their positions about certain things. And what happened on that interview was less about me and more about the responsibility I think he was given by the party to defend the party in light of this movement called This Flag with Pastor Ivan Mawarire, who at the time was demanding a following, who was commanding audiences, who had people in the palm of his hands. Okay, and he was on a show with him where naturally he was now the, the person that no one wanted to listen to and didn't like for ruining Pastor Ivan's platform to speak freely. And, um, you know, Mr. Msarara was put there and his responsibility, I think, was to 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 speak against whatever Pastor Ivan was saying, because Pastor Ivan's movement was very clear, mm. you know, and for the ruling party, you know, they had to, they had to manage it. And he was the subject chosen to manage a Pastor Ivan Mawarire <laughs> at that time, at the peak of his, his, his season. So it was not an easy responsibility. And um, Pastor Ivan stood his ground. He stood his ground. Those gentlemen at some point stood up in the studio. You can imagine it's radio. They're supposed to sit by their microphones. They stood up and were clawing at each other. You understand? So it got heated. And um, the aftermath, as you know, the social media yeah. gallery, Twitter was not kind to no. Sarah at all, saying, so you should have just let him be on his own. You know, why did you come on? Your points were not strong enough, this, that, and the other. And perhaps even from his own quarters in the party, people might have said something, you know. So I applaud him for coming, you know, to even come and try and, you know, in that in that spirit, to try and now be the person that is naturally going to upset people. Um, so it was a difficult one because... Has it been settled in court now? Oh, it's settled. It's settled. No, we okay. settled it a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, and look, in essence, it was because you get editorial guidance when you do these programs, mm -hmm. right? You, as a boss, know that you have to tick off certain things mm -hmm. when before anything is published, much like broadcasting. So initially that interview was supposed to be passed to Ivan on his own. Mm -hmm. An hour before the interview, I was told by my boss that um, we had to have... Mr. Msarada on the program with Pastor Ivan. And I understood the politics behind that. Mm -hmm. I now had to adjust. I had to also prepare Pastor Ivan, who felt ambushed by me. Because I am the person who's called him, right, as the host. Yes, it's not my radio station, but it's my show. Mm -hmm. And I called him and I made him comfortable and made him believe that it has, it's his platform to come and speak. Then an hour before, he's arrived at the studio ready for his show, then he's told, no, 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 it's no longer your stage on your own. You must now share stage with um, Mr. Msarara. So I now had to reword my questions. I had to change everything. And Pastor Ivan wanted to leave. He was so upset. I would have left. Yeah, he felt ambushed. ambushed he me. said, Reneko, this is not what we discussed. No. This is not what we agreed. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to stay. And I had to massage that situation. So now the show happened. And um, after that, Twitter, like I said, was not kind. And not kind to me either because they thought I was part of the ambush. Meanwhile, I was following instructions as an employee. You understand? Yeah. Um, so what I then did was I indirectly protected myself and said, look, this decision was made. Yes, I had to invite Mr. Msarara, 
but it was under instruction from my editors and my boss um, that this is what needs to be done. So that's where, you know, it got messy. But mm. you know what? It, it, um, the lesson to take from that really is just that, <laughs> you know, broadcasting, especially anything live, if you want to get into that game, mm. you've got to understand that you cannot control the consequences. Mm. It's different when you're pre-recording something or when you're writing something, but when you're live, and you're dealing with current affairs and politics that it's will live and politics that will shift a nation or not. You know, it's it's delicate yeah, stuff. It you is. know, it's real stuff, and it was not child's play. <laughs> so I understood the responsibility. Uh, do you um, regret it, or you say, "Thank God I did it, and I got the bench"? For no it. regrets at no all. Regrets. None at all. No. I just um, it was my last show on ZFM. I was never on air again after that. That was my last show on ZFM after five years. You, you disagreed with your bosses. Um, they disagreed with me, okay. to be fair. Um, I, I did what I had to do. They, they they let me off gently. They told me that they're going to take me off air for a while. Um, I guess there was a lot of politics to manage after that, and I understand. Um, but I understood what that meant. So you caused politics at ZFA? Yeah, no, I didn't. Also, by virtue of just being me, I feel like I am politics sometimes, <laughs> to be honest with you. I've got, I'm going um, to hold you there. I mean, yeah. we, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Do you feel, I mean, when you come back, please don't go away. We're coming back and I'm going to ask um, Elsie whether she feels she, she's privileged. And I'm going to ask you about the lessons that you've learned from sure. um, and painful place, places that you've been with your life. So please don't go away. Uh, journey on the other side. You have to pivot. You have to pivot. Never fall. Never let anything push you over. Imagine getting free access to the Newsday, the Standard, the Zimbabwe Independent and the Weekly Digest for a full month. Well, you can. And all you need to do is download the Newsday e-reader app on Google Play Store or scan the Newsday QR code in any of the AMH print publications and start enjoying the quality content. Fambane e-paper. Welcome get back to our conversation with uh, Ruveneko Elsie Parrenyatwa, broadcast journalist and media consultant. So the ZFM door closes, another one opens. And I think life is amazing. When the door closes, it's painful sometimes. I'll tell you what, I got fired at the Financial Gazette. And the day I was fired was a painful day day when I expected phones to ring off the hook, like you said, you know, people know me, I'm a runner. Nobody called me. I was all, all alone. Um, it was at that particular moment, the worst day that ever happened in my life, at that particular moment. When I look back now, it's the best thing that, that ever, ever happened, happened to, to you, you, to me. Yeah. Best thing. It That's opened it. doors That's it. for me. That's it. What did this door open for you? So straight after that, I um, decided to use the audience that I had built, and I started my own online program. And um, so I, I'm you know, going to hold you because sure. this is very exciting. Okay. So you hadn't thought about this. No. Amazing, not at all. isn't it? No. So not at this all. door closes. Mm -hmm. Another one opens. Mm -hmm. to say, "Gee, look what I've done." And it was Let within months. 
it was so successive. It was quick. So um, just, yeah. so, so what happened was uh, it was just when Facebook had started these Facebook live things and Zimbabwe had not done it yet. So at the time I had built a little, small little team of sorts as we were planning to get into something, but we weren't ready. And then um, as always is the case, there was some social media stuff happening. And one of the subjects phoned me and said, Ravinico, we've been speaking with my team and we want you to interview me. I said, but I'm not doing a show right now. I've got no platform. And the person said, no, we have to create one. Like we just need a, a, a place to speak. So I sat down with my team. I said, gents, we've got to put together a show and we need to try this Facebook Live thing. Do you know that my first Facebook Live interview was recorded from my living room in my house with two cell phones? Cell phones, forget cameras, forget lights, it's two mobile telephones. And we learned how to use Facebook Live. Basically, we spent that night awake, learning how it works, trying to see where to plug in. And we had already gotten people, you know, when we advertised the show that afternoon, we had already gotten people from the UK, especially Diaspora, who wanted to advertise on the program because they knew how big it was going to be because of the subject um, in question. And we literally learned on the job. We, I, I, I have behind the scenes footage from that moment. And- um, It's a keeper. It's a keeper. So we started Ravinico on Facebook Live. What, what, what do you, but I want to, I'm always passionate about the lessons we learn from this place. Mm. What lesson does that teach you? But much more important, not you, perhaps you've been through, but people watching you who are sitting there, there's nothing for me to do, there's this and that. Yeah. What did that, what, did, what are the lessons that you extract from that? Is that you have to pivot. You have to pivot, never fall. See, I used to play basketball quite competitively, even for Mashana Land and all that when I was in high school. There's a position you play basketball in called the triple threat position. Why you play in that position is that if someone comes from behind you, you're so firmly rooted on the ground that you can't be pushed over, but you can navigate every position. You can shoot, you can dribble, you can do everything. Now you're pivoting on one foot each time with basketball, right? So that is the life lesson I, I took from, from that, that almost fall at ZFM. It wasn't a fall. It just pushed me and made me pivot. And so that's the life lesson I would take that never let anything push you over. Because you see, you know, even in the Bible, they talk about, you know, a righteous man falls seven times, but I think falling, take it with a pinch of salt. You don't have to hit the ground. You understand, you can stumble. Um, and that's what I take from that. I pivoted so quickly. And I took the audience that Ravenico had. You see, there was a ZFM audience that were loyal to the station, that would always listen to ZFM and still do. Then there was the audience Ravenico was building that went with Ravenico where she went. And I didn't realize that. Mm. I didn't believe in myself. I didn't know that. So when I started the Facebook program, not only did I take my existing audience that listened to ZFM to listen to Ruvenico, but I also then built another audience that was on that new platform, which was Facebook and YouTube and predominantly the diaspora. I am grateful to the Zimbabwean diaspora. Why didn't you believe in yourself? I think, to be honest with you, it was when you work for someone, okay, when you're an employee, your focus is to please your, your boss. It is to keep the station alive. It is to keep your job. It is not necessarily to serve yourself. And there's something that my boss used to call stationality, mm -hmm. saying that no one is bigger than the station. 
saying personality versus stationality, mm. that a radio personality should never be bigger than the station, um, which is impossible at some point, you know, to achieve because some brands and personalities do become Absolutely. bigger than their networks yeah. or their platforms. So that's what I hadn't had, hadn't tuned my mind mm. to think that Ravinical can stand on her own and be someone on the, her the, own. The, the, the lesson there that I really keep on emphasizing mm. to the audience there, which you've just shared right now, is your promotion comes where you are. Mm. Your promotion comes at what you're doing. Mm. You don't rubbish what you're doing thinking that your promotion is from an employer mm. who is non-existent. The audience, you worked to get that audience. That's where your promotion came from. And those are your and bosses. You, exactly. Yes, the audience are your bosses. That's who we do this for. Without your millions of viewers and subscribers, where would this show be? Absolutely. Where would it be? Absolutely. So we. So you do the Facebook thing. Yes. And what do you do next? So I do the Facebook thing, and then I decide to do dual platforms, which was Facebook and YouTube. Started a studio at Bardial Racecourse, and thankfully we were getting right into election year, so it was also a good time for content. Yeah. That's where your Nkosana Moyo's mm, come in, mm. um, Dr. Nkosana Moyo, amongst many that I interviewed, Dr. Joyce Mujuru, Advocate Nelson Chamisa, so many people. And again, there now it's your script. Yeah, you're not necessarily asking for yeah. permission because yeah. remember at the time there were no rules about social media, mm. there were no editorial controls, no. Nobody could tell you, don't interview so-and-so. Mm. Nobody could say, don't discuss X. So it gave me latitude to do a program in the style of journalism without the limitations mm. of having to, um, not that I can't follow rules, but that um, you create you? your own. I can, can I can, if they make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so are we now talking yeah. about... Neko Incorporated. Is this what we're yes, talking about Yes, that's now? when it was birthed. Okay. That's when it was birthed. Um, and it became a business because I, I, I monetized my channel. I learned how to do all of those things as far back as 2018. You taught yourself how to do those taught things. myself with my team, Ipapo, on the job. Um, and we learned quickly and we learned well. And it was a lucrative year. So much mm. support. I remember UNICEF was one of my biggest clients. We went to Nyanga to do some interviews there with them. And the show just you know, birthed a life of its own. What are the difficult things, what were the difficult things that you encountered in putting up uh, Neko Incorporated? What were the challenges? Could be financially, could be market and so forth. Do you, do you recall? Well, to be fair, I'd never run my own gig. So that was the challenge, right? Being a boss where people at the end of the month are waiting yeah. for their salary from you. It was yeah. a lot of growing up and a lot of discipline um, and a lot of learning how to motivate a team. Because as you know, with media and industry, you've got to be friends with your cameraman, yeah. okay? Because he's in charge of your image and your angles. You, I'm watching you. I'm watching you. Um, and so, you know, you, you learn how to, how to manage people and you learn how to market. Um, I then uh, I did my 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 postgraduate in marketing, and you you learn how to really apply those principles because everything is about how you sell yourself, and how you position yourself. Doing the reels, doing the the promotions, doing the adverts, doing a clean and solid production, picking the right team to do your filming and your editing, um, and trusting them with that work. So you see, I made sure that we built a world class stage. My set in two thousand and eighteen. I look back now and I'm like, was that, that all those years count? ago? Yes. Oh wow. Imagine you that. Were, you were ahead of what Imagine we're doing. that, you know? So I mean this is pretty this is pretty tight. <laughs> I mean, you're right. It's not bad. <laughs> but, so, but I must yeah. give it to you. Mm. You you it looked so beautiful. Thank it you. It looked so clean. Thank you. Um it spoke brand. It spoke um ser ser serious work. Mm. Um 
What do you think? I mean, you, you, we've spoken about the, the the brand happening, things happening on their own and the deliberate things. When it comes to NECO Incorporated, what do you think are the success factors? Somebody listening to you, watching now and saying, I want to do what she's done. What would you think were the, are the success factors? You see, um, it would be growing outside of Zimbabwe. You know, people often talk about role models and all of that. And, you know, where do you draw your inspiration from? And I've always looked in Zimbabwe, yes, but also outside, because you've got to look at what you aspire to. So for success for Neko Incorporated as a company and for what it has done to the Ravenical brand, it would be the international stages. Mm -hmm. That for me is success, especially in this industry, mm -hmm. because your audience is international. Once you're online, as you always say, you know, I've heard one of your shows, you said to my audience in Zimbabwe, internationally and globally, you know what I mean? You know yeah. that they are all over the world. Yeah. The eyes are everywhere now, mm -hmm. right? You've got the world in the mm -hmm. palm of your hands. Mm -hmm. So um, the key thing would be to say, if you're going to do something, don't target it to be for Zimbabwe. Zimbabweans, or this is a show for Zimbabwe, or this is good enough for Zimbabwe. That's not the right standard to have in life. That's a narrow. It's a narrow way of thinking, yeah. and it's lazy. Mm -hmm. You know, everything you do now must be able to be recognized and stand next to an international podcast, an international show where the editing, the sound quality, the lighting must fit in. That when someone presses play, it shouldn't say, "Oh, that's." Pretty good. That's Zim. You know, we can tell. <laughs> we can tell. You know, not, not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. So there's just no excuse. But, so, and this mm. has launched you yeah. to uh, become uh, an international director of uh, ceremonies. Um, I've seen you on the stage with um, uh, President Paul Kagame. You've been to Dubai for the Africa Oil, Oil Week. You've been to. Uh, Equatorial Guinea with the African yes. Development Bank. Yes. What's been the most memorable? First of all, before we go there, take us through your routine, your preparation routine <laughs> for this big, uh, these big events. What's the preparation routine like? A lot of reading, um, a lot of reading. If I go to a conference, I, I want to be well versed with the subject. Um, I don't want to just be an announcer on stage. Sometimes people mistake being able to speak English and being able to be a master of ceremony or a director of ceremonies. It's not just about announcing and saying, next up we have. I try to immerse myself in the subject. I try to arrive early enough. If it's an international trip, I try to arrive a day or two before to acclimatize genuinely. Even if it's in Africa, you just need to acclimatize, just settle, um, get to know your client, understand what they want. What's the outcome? Because I'm not here for myself. As much as I might post it and it might make me look like I'm doing well in my career, it's it's a box that I tick to say I've left my client happy and I've served. These are big clients. They are. For them to put me on a plane and say, we want you to come to Equatorial Guinea or we want you to come to Dubai. Aren't there any MCs between Harare and Dubai? I, I figure you know? there might be. <laughs> I figure there might be a couple. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, there you are being put on a plane to say, no, you come. Do you and, get nervous? Um, of course. I'm nervous right now. <laughs> of course I get nervous. You know, I tell people that yeah. I actually get nervous doing these conversations like I'm doing now with you. The night before in particular and in the morning. But right now I'm having fun, but I do get so nervous. Of course. And, and, you know, of course. It's, it's amazing. And apparently once that nervousness goes, we you, lose the magic. Yeah, then yeah. then it's, it's done. Yeah. Then it's no longer a challenge for yeah. you. It's no longer exciting for you. Your heart must go. So. Yeah. You, you, I'm sure you know one man called Steve Harvey. Yes. Who made a blunder about the wrong, long, wrong Miss Universe. The Miss Universe, correct. Um, 
and the world hated him. And the world hated Briefly. him. Briefly. But, but you know that. You know that he sued the uh, Miss World pageant because it wasn't his fault. It was on the teleprompter. It was reading the teleprompter. Correct. And if you try and Google that uh, thing, you won't find it anymore. You'll see images, but you can't get, in, can't get into it. What's your biggest mistake on stage? Um, biggest mistake on stage? Have you ever done a Steve Harvey? No. No. Not to that extent. You might. Um, so, for example, when I started doing um, government events, there's so much protocol, as you know. And I blundering. <laughs> Um, I do not do protocol. Yeah, protocol is is technical and um, you learn how to do it properly over time. When you're still starting off, you think you can pull it off yourself. But any event that has a government official, whether it's a minister, a councillor, anybody, let alone a president, please make sure you've gotten the script. Okay, because you cannot pull off protocol on your own. So um, I think um, I couldn't tell you which specific event, but I know in the beginning, once you or twice, I blundered mm. protocol because mm. there are certain people. You can't announce certain people before other people because there's structures and there's hierarchy. So, um, you know, you need to, you need and to human be beings and egos will get upset. Why was I called before? You see, Amazing, the office it? of the president and cabinet will sit you down and say, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> With all due respect. So protocol is important. Look, it's part of the job. You just have to do your homework and be fully prepared. You can't blunder stuff like that. Um, but it has happened, especially in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But now I make sure if I don't know, I'll find a way around it. Yeah. I will. Or I just simply won't announce it or the show will not begin mm -hmm. until the correct office has given me that list of protocol. Mm -hmm. Because ano zonyarandini. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the truth because yeah. I'm on the stage. So mm. you, you, you've uh, spent some time with uh, President Paul Kagame. Um, I spent some time with Paul Kagame, and I thought, you know, this would be an occasion for me to throw in uh, one um, uh, nugget that uh, President Kagame shared, shared with us. I, I went to Rwanda, uh, Kigali, uh, with the YPO, Young President yes, Organizations, yes. and we sat with him, 20 or so of us. Right. And I asked him, I said, and I'd spent a day in Kigali, and um, before we went to see the gorillas out in the mountains, and I was... Impressed. I'd heard people saying uh, Kigali is clean. Mm. That's a trip you met know. Ken Sharp. Yes, mm. yes, that's mm. when I met Ken Sharp. Yeah. I, I didn't know it was that clean. So in the room, I, I said, Mr. President, I can't keep my backyard as clean as Kigali is. How do you do it? And this answer, um, roughly put, was if the mind is not clean, if your surroundings are not clean, that's why we end up treating, uh, rather, well, that's why we end up being comfortable with corruption. Because it starts from the mind, a clean mind and everything else. And I, I listened to the man talk and my regard for him just, just went up. Any nuggets that uh, Paul Kagame shared with you? Look, yeah, many. There's so many. Um, so many. You, you see, one of the ones he said was at the Africa, Youth Connect Africa conference. And he said, we all know the saying, if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. But he edited it and said, well, why not go far and fast together hmm. as Africans? Hmm. Um, and that's what young people want to hear because no one really wants to, to, to take too much from old sayings because we have to modernize everything. Hmm. And that one for me resonated because, you see, we do have to play catch up. 
as yeah. Africa. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of time, you know, before we're completely redundant in so many ways and keep getting our resources stolen from us. Um, we need to move fast and we need to move together. Mm -hmm. So I, I liked that because for me, it summarized our journey mm -hmm. and where we're at and where we need to go and how we need to get there. Mm -hmm. So I like that one. You, you're passionate about the girl child. I am. Um, yeah. There, there's, I've, I've sensed a, a, a slight um, change in the conversation about the girl child. And that change is the boy child is being left behind. Is because he? We're oh yes, because we're focusing on, on the girl child. And we actually are disempowering our young, our young men. They are having to get married to these strong women <laughs> who've been empowered. And they've not been empowered. Nobody's taken care of the boy child. Is that your sense or you, you haven't come across that? Look, I hear what you're saying. Um, our generation has a big job in raising sons, right? The sons we birth now, panibasa, because the women that we're raising as well, like you just said, are going to be incredibly strong. And they're going to be so different to what uh, women were in the past. But it's going to be a long way before men are disempowered. Um, I completely agree that the boy child needs to be um, educated on their rights as well. Because I understand that there are instances where young boys and men in homes today are getting abused by women because of the launch that women have gotten and the understanding of our rights that we have suddenly been awoken with. But I don't think it means the boy child is being disempowered. And it shouldn't mean that. I've never been one for equality. I also think equality is a low bar for women. Um, I think that everything that Ouch. is, yeah, sorry, Ouch. you know, sorry, not sorry. Um, <laughs> I think that everything one achieves should be purely based on merit, not mm. gender. Even the gender quota system upsets me in a way. I understand why it's there. I understand why it's there in, in countries like ours where women have not always taken the reins. I understand it's a way to push us into it, but look at the last election, we didn't even fill the yeah. quota. Yeah. So the question is, do we even want some of these leverages we're given? Um, so I think we need to be careful how we, how we word everything. So in, in that instance mm. then, if there's one thing you could do to um, continue to empower the girl child, what is that one thing that you do? Look, it's to to remind us that we where our strength lies. Um, uh, the one thing I'll say is that it sounds very cliche, but I want you to hear me. Yeah, is that we should never depend on anyone, hmm. especially not a man. I believe in love. I'm a romantic at heart. I believe in all those things, but I strongly believe that a woman should be able to stand on her own. Um, before she has to lean on somebody. Mm, powerful. And for me, that message could not be said louder. We talk about a table and in a relationship, who's bringing what to the table? Um, the, the feminists will say, I am the table, you know, um, which is an extreme end of it, you know, but I just say, let's look at how the economy is in this country, for example. We just can't afford a single income household. I don't care who your partner is. I don't care how many homes he has, how many cars he has, you know, how deep his pocket is. But as a woman, put something. So I think, um, I think that for me will take away so much desperation that young girls have. Mm -hmm. The students at the UZ, at the Africa University, at any university, and I'm not singling out those ones, but I'm mentioning them because they come up a lot of news headlines mm -hmm. and we can't run away from that. Absolutely. Why is it that by commonality, we're constantly hearing, Kutiva, Skanaveku, UZ, Vanim, Skanzwa? 
you know, you don't want to be branded that way. No. And so young girls need to understand that their power is within them, to be mm. honest with you. 70% of agriculture in Africa is in the hands of women. How do we do that, uh, mm. uh, How do we do that? How do we make the girl child fully realize the power is within them? We need to make it attractive. Okay. We need to make it attractive. Um, us women who have platforms and voices need to use them correctly. Um, fathers like you, you know, I heard your Father's Day message um, that you put out the other day. Happy Father's Day. By Thank me. you. Um, you know, you put out a message and you you talked about um, how, you know, you are handing over what you can to your children and how your father used to buy newspapers, you know, when you were younger and you started reading them from the age of seven. There are things we instill in our children without realizing it. And as a father, as a grandfather, as a partner, as a spouse, as a man, the kind of woman that you are around every day, whether it's your mother, your sister, your daughter, your cousin, your niece, impart the right things into them. Don't, don't make them feel bad for being strong. Don't make them feel bad for being independent. Some narratives today in 2023 still say to women, don't be too strong, you'll make your man insecure. Sorry, why is my man insecure? So then we come down to what we're yeah. teaching the men. Yeah. So it's a, it's, a, it's a combination. We can't just teach the girl child without also teaching exactly. the boy child. The two go hand in hand so that the two can be compatible Absolutely. and manage each other oh, in today's that. world. I'll, I'll stop you there. As sure. we stop, please don't go away. But, yeah. you know, is Ruveneko Parinot a privilege? <laughs> um, and the, the pain that you've gone through, your divorce, your, your pregnancy, I want us to go to that place not because we want to go to that place, but because of the uh, lessons sure. that sit in that pain. Please don't go away. Uh, see you on the other side. There's a shame that you carry to say, I could not carry a child to term. My womb is not fit for motherhood. Welcome back to our conversation with uh, Ruveneko Elsie Parenyatwa, broadcaster and media consultant. Parenyatwa, David Parenyatwa's daughter. And I've seen a lot of people say you're privileged. Um, and I have my views on, about that. Because I don't think you raised up your hand and said, hey, I want to be David Parenyatwa's daughter. Talk to me about that. And I, I think this is one point where, one issue where I, I have very strong views about people that use the term privilege to rubbish other people. Uh, I, I think it, it's a sign of insecurity somehow. I don't know where it comes from. But answer my question. Do you feel privileged? How do you deal with people that say you're privileged? Sure. I've heard that too a lot. Um, and like you said, you don't write an application letter to say, I would like to be born to. But if you could, I still would. I love my parents. Um, they're the best that God could have given me. Now, I can't talk about privilege or legacy without talking about my father and his father. I come from a family that has a line of successive. And you didn't choose. I didn't choose that. Um, I've got my great, my grandfather, the late Dr. Samuel Tichafa Parinyatwa, who our biggest referral hospital is named after for being the first black doctor in Zimbabwe. 
And if there's anyone I wish I could have met, it's him. If there's anyone who's a role model to me, having died at 36 and achieved so much um, and also had so many children, um, is, is somebody who I, I wish I could have met and sat down with. Now he left a name for our family and anyone in our family can step into his light. Now my father stepped into his father's light and continued in medicine and had a career in medicine in a career in politics and I with the same name stepped into the same light because you have a known name so when you knock on a door there's familiarity is that the privilege mm. perhaps but you see you knock on a door and it's open for you because you carry this name that people are familiar with and they liked your grandfather or they like your dad they open it but it's up to me now to stay in that room that's not privilege. Mm. That's where my own work comes in. Mm. That's where going to school as I did is important. When I was at UCT studying journalism, I didn't know how far my career would go, but I, I did it because I loved it and my passion and purpose met. Mm. And um, I've worked to make sure that everything I do, if I was still in, in medicine as well, you could say maybe I'm literally taking on from you know that chain, but I, I went into media, which is worlds apart yeah. from anything medical. Yes, I've, I've staged conferences that are health related. Um, last year I was in Kigali for CPHIA, which is a huge health conference. Um, but my point is the privilege I think that I have is that I have access, I have opportunity, and I can't take away the fact that like many people whom were my peers in school, from junior school to high school to university, they were all privileged as well. If you compare us to the, Each one of you know, us has on a global scale, right? Yeah. I mean, we are all privileged. So, so, so but, Ruve, mm -hmm. um, um, my father was a domestic worker. My mother was a domestic worker. I worked hard for everything I've got. Worked so hard that my kids, you know, have been are blessed. privileged. Okay, <laughs> so are they privileged? I mean, a whole lot of nonsense. I really, need, I think we should push back on that. And yeah. Th so there's, this is where I have a problem with walkism. Mm, <laughs> you know, um, mm. people suddenly walk and anything that's positive is negative because, yeah. So yeah. I think you've dealt with that very well. Mm. So let's go to another place. People don't understand the pain that I carry because they see me on the screen. See me in this jacket. They, they don't think know you're what, okay. No, they think I'm okay. I'm not okay. No, you people. can't possibly have problems. No. What? You and your <laughs> blue jacket. <laughs> you know? You know, but no. I have issues that I'm dealing with. I have problems that I'm dealing with. But people think, no, he's okay. He's privileged. You've endured quite a lot. You, um, perhaps the first thing being your pregnancy. Mm. and losing your twins. Mm. I want you to share with our viewers the lessons from that. I don't want the details. I want what are the lessons from that ex painful experience? The first lesson is that not everyone's happy for you. Um, not everyone's happy Unbelievable. for you. Unbelievable. Um, you know, and the second lesson is that um, protect beautiful things because people ruin beautiful things. Just keep quiet. Do you regret having shared that you're pregnant on social media? Yes and no. Mm -hmm. Yes, because um, you know it didn't um, it didn't serve me long term to have shared it, and no, because my story opened up for so many women to reach out 
and to talk about something that otherwise is never talked about. In Shona, there's a saying, um, that's one of those things, a miscarriage or losing your, your children. Um, you know, mine, mine, I don't call it a miscarriage because I, I delivered, you know, they were alive at birth. So we can't call that a miscarriage, right? They, I lost my, my babies. Mm. Um, it's a completely different experience. Um, there was no blood and then suddenly they were gone and I didn't interact with them. I held them breathing. So it's, it's a loss. And a lot of women reached out and we have connected on a level that we never would have before. And I don't talk about women on social media only. People in my own circle, friends, family, who I never knew went through that, were like, Ravenico, me too. Ravenico, I, oh my gosh, six times. Ravenico, three times. How did you cope with it, point number one, point number two? What would you say to somebody who's battling privately right now and they're listening to you? She's mad at look at her. She's okay. What would you say to them? Um, I would say that don't try and heal on your own. You have to find a way to heal. Um, I don't believe in keeping quiet about stuff like that. I don't know why our culture says you shouldn't mm. talk about losing a child. Our culture also tells you you shouldn't grieve or cry when you've lost a baby. Um, something mythical about how it means al-zojara, you know. There's so many rules and T's and C's that our culture has that I need to question our ancestors about. Um, but you know what, It here we are. So I would tell anybody going through this that they are professionals, but they're also friends and family that you can reach, reach out. out to. But you see, there's a shame that women also carry with that because especially if it's your first attempt at trying to be a mother, you then feel like a failure. So there's a shame that you carry to say, I could not carry a child to term. My womb is not fit for motherhood. So you also don't want to talk about that publicly because So there is something that stops women from speaking about it freely because there is a stigma. So that's something that women need to understand that you're not a failure. It is not your fault. Um, well, at this yeah. moment, we're, we're going to play um, a clip from Langa Sbanda who shared her experience of um, uh, battling with uh, falling pregnant and the way that she was treated because that your story sort of um, um, meets somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, you, you're not alone. There's mm. a lot of people that have experienced this. So yeah. we'll play uh, the that clip. clip. Sure. Yeah. I think my family is quiet about it and that makes it okay. Mm. But I've heard people passing statements that how can um, Langa still looks like this, she's got this great body because she can't have children. And to me, that's painful. Mm. And I always say to people, because we, you didn't decide. I didn't decide this. And, and I've had miscarriages. I've done IVF, which is quite traumatic and uh, invasive, really, jabbing yourself every day to try and do this. And I remember my mom saying to me, Langa, at some point, you just got to stop because you will kill yourself trying to do this. And I remember saying to my mom, you say that confidently because you have your five children. I don't. So you may not understand Yo. me. And then, and, 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 and the fact that sometimes when people, women say there's nothing more painful than giving birth, I would back to defy and say there's nothing more painful than actually not having one. So it's, it's, it's a very, it's a journey that I've had to, to go through, accept, and say to myself, maybe there's a reason God didn't do that, give me the children. Maybe you'd have given me a child that I wouldn't be able to, to look after. But the ones that I have, 
that I, you know, and I joke to people that I, I know I'm too posh to push. So I've got my children that I didn't even have to carry. So I play with it, but it does, it is painful. It's a journey that has taken long for me to accept, but it's a journey that has also put me in a situation that I, I'm so, I have this empathy and compassion towards a lot of issues that other people may just brush off or brush over or don't think it's important, but to me it is. So yeah, there's a lot that has, has happened within mm. my life that makes me stronger, makes, gives me more love, because to love a child that you didn't carry and love it like yours, there's no greater That's love. That's beautiful. That, that is a blessing. There's no that, greater love. That is a, the, our society is, at the moment, unforgiving. Yes. When it comes to, to that. that. Yeah. Um, both men and women. Oh, oh yeah. It's a very ugly space. It is. But you can also not, I think you can only understand, because some people have said to me, oh, especially when I was younger, they'll be like, oh, one day you will just relax, just this. And I'm thinking it's easier to say that because you have not walked into, in, in, in my shoes. You have no idea how much pressure maybe I put to myself. Because I look at it sometimes and I say, what sort of a child would I have had? Mm. Would she have been another tall giraffe or not? You know, I will never know. But then I have nieces. I've got nieces who look like me. And, and, and that gives me joy. And I'm like, wow, how come Dumi's child, for example, looks like me? And certain of uh, some of her attributes and traits are so much like me. So I am blessed enough to have that around mm. me. Are you comfortable without space? Without space now, oh, because yeah. at a certain age, uh, even if you wanted, you wouldn't be able to. Exactly. Mm -hmm. No, I am. Mm. I am, and I think my my daughter Nancy um, t sort of covered that gap without even her realizing. Mm. And I've been writing about it because I'm just sort of writing my book, and I talk about it a lot. But I say to myself, the reason, the fact that she called me mom and she called her mother by her first name, there must have been a reason. It prepared us to mm. be okay. So my daughter, my grandchildren, we are very comfortable. I love them dearly. And yes, there was a time when I still, when I saw another child or when I, when I see a pregnant woman, I'd be like, oh my God. But one thing that I have been proud of is the fact that God gave me the strength to move on. I'm not beaten. Yeah, there's also Aisha to say. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. She's gone and, and done that. She, and she got, she's yeah. gone public about it. She has. She's gone public about she has. that. She but has. you're okay now. Um, look, I have my days. Yeah. Um, I have my days. Um, he has his ways. But you see, it's um there'll always be constant reminders and triggers and the what ifs. The how old would they be now? What would they look like? Um, you know, all of that. And the constant, the the, the most painful one is, did I do something wrong as a woman? You look at your behavior during your pregnancy. You look at what you ate, what you did, what you didn't do. Did you listen to your doctors? You know, in my case, I had fibroids. You know, that's something that a lot of women in their 30s deal with. And a strong message I'll also give yeah. to women while we talk about the strong women and empowering our young girls. Let's not be over empowered to a point where we're trying to have children in our late 30s. I think that it's dangerous. I think that it's good to pursue your career and an education, but there's a reason why our mothers and grandmothers had children in their early 20s and their late 20s, because your body is built differently. They never suffered fibroids because fibroids tend to affect black women over 30, more than anyone. Where did you get your strength? 
Um, from my pain. Yeah, I've been through a lot in my life. <laughs> um, but the, the, the voices I hear in my head would be from, from my father, from my mother. My mother's a woman of faith and raised me in that. And um, it would be just that, that grounding that at the end of the day, what you go through. You see, Christianity is challenged by so many people. If you look at it plainly, it makes a lot of sense. If you use your mind too much, you'll be like, mm, you know. But you see, the simple message with Christianity is that very few things are in your control. So when you realize that and you ask yourself something as painful as, you know, the simple question I ask God is, what did you need my babies for? Why did you take them? What do you need babies for in heaven? Mm -hmm. um, you then realize that God will not always answer your questions immediately. But your, my, my strength comes from knowing that it was not in my control and that there is a lesson that is still to come. Um, what I do with that, whether it'll be a book, whether it'll be something, I still haven't brought myself to talk about the ordeal publicly because it was that painful. Um, so I think we still are walking the journey and um, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be easy for many women to reach a place where we can speak in a safe space about it. So the, the burden of having a profile such as yours is that your problems are public. But your problems and your challenges and your pain points are the pain points that a lot of other people experience. The burden that also comes with that is, I think, the ability to share the lessons. Um, and one pain that you've experienced is divorce, which has been made public. And again, for me, I don't want the details. Nobody should be interested in the details. But what are the lessons from that experience you see no one goes into a marriage expecting it'll end at least i hope not um especially from a christian basis mm -hmm. however uh, there's a, a a sermon i listened to once that said you want to bring god into your problems in your relationship when you've already made decisions for yourself you want to ask god to heal your marriage when you chose that yeah. husband for yourself did you ask God before you said yes to that man or before you made that girl pregnant? Did you call God into that room before you made that human decision? Mm -hmm. So why do you want to work in reverse and want him to now enter your marriage and your home when you didn't consult him in the first place? I like that, Simon. You understand? Yeah. So with divorce, you have to be strong to do it because our culture also doesn't condone it. There will be every single family member telling you, let's pray, let's fast, go for counseling. They will have all kinds of ways to get you to stay together. And I applaud our families for being homemakers. They're not home wreckers. Mm -hmm. Our African culture, yeah. they'll sooner allow a man to have four wives before they say divorce, mm -hmm. okay? And I understand the, the foundations of that. I have my issues with it, but I understand it. So anybody considering divorce, especially as a young woman who wants to initiate the divorce, because again, remember our culture teaches us that a man is the one who ends a marriage mm. because in dia no no in women don't do that. So our culture is not kind to divorce. So my thinking with that and advice would be, be certain 
that you want it to be over because you have to be very strong to see it through, especially if you're also part of a church, because the church is also going to counsel yeah. you to yeah. stay together. So, um, look, it's not, it was not easy, uh, going through the divorce, um, for the reasons why I divorced again, even reconciling with those. I have since forgiven my ex-husband. I have no problems with him. He has gone on with his life. Um, and I'm happy that he has. And I think that, um, even with the in-laws that I was married into, there'll always be a mutual respect. And um, I, 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 I would encourage anyone who even is divorcing where there's children involved to make sure there is that mutual respect. Yeah. Um, it shouldn't have to be messy. It shouldn't have to be ugly. Mm. People break up. Mm. It happens. It happens. Because like I said, the reason you got together in the first place, was it the correct reason? Mm. I, I like the sermon about, did you pray about the man before you get married? Did you pray about the marriage before you get you got married? Yeah. We tend to go to God when there's a problem, when we should have gone to God and say, shall I marry this man? Wow. You went to Chisipite. I did. Yeah. Before <laughs> Chisipite, which primary schools did you go to? So I hopped around grade one. I yeah. went to convent for a term. Then I went to Bishop's Lee for a year. Then I went yeah. to Chizzy yeah. from grade two. I was a Chizzy girl from grade two until yeah. upper six. You tend to fly the Chizzy flag. I do. With a lot of people. I do. Yeah, and I you inspire do. a lot of people to come to Chizzy. I hope so. Yeah. It's, it's the best school in Zimbabwe. Come on. <laughs> Simple facts. I mean, let's, let's and continue. And UCT? UCT, brilliant as well. Happy yeah. I went there. Um, I chose not to go outside. I could have. My parents have given me an opportunity to go outside of Africa. Yeah. Um, but I chose UCT and I'm glad I did. Cape yeah. Town itself as a city is so cosmopolitan. Mm -hmm. Even on the campus of UCT. You don't feel like you're in Africa. It's so diverse, so multicultural. And the city, like I said, is stunningly beautiful. Oh, it's a beautiful oh, city. You know? and, and tell me, why mm. media? Where did that influence come from? Your father is a, is a, is a, is a doctor. Yeah. Um, where did that come from? It, it came from my mom. My mom and I used to watch the Oprah Winfrey show throughout mm. uh, you know, uh, high school. And my grandmother, bless her soul, Gogom Kwanansi, my dad's mom. She used to tell me that I read so fluently. I used to do my reading to her. When you know when Gogo comes over yes. to visit, I used to do my reading to her when I was in primary school. She, I don't even know if I could ask her this one day. Did she think, she, so the one day I'm doing my reading, she says, you speak so well. I want you to phone ZBC and tell them you want to be a news reader. Do you know I actually phoned ZBC? And? I was probably in grade six and? and I said, I want to be a news reader. <laughs> I'm sure the person on the phone just had a tickle and they talked at me about me over lunch. But, you know, she always said your command of the English language, you know, is amazing. And um, my high school teachers, my English teacher, my drama teacher, my French teachers, they all told me that one day I'll be on television. Um, they said you'll be on BBC and I was on BBC, BBC Africa. You know, I did work with them for about two years. Um, so I have I have lived up to that. So the, the seed was sown from a young age. Age. What's the next big thing for Elsie Rue Veneco? So the next big thing for me, um, you'll see, but what I can share is that um, my company, Neko Incorporated, is um, not just taking the Ruveneco brand to international stages, but as an agency registered, you know, as it should be with Praz, with Zimbra, with, you know, Zappa, all of that. Um, we want to bring back some magic to Zimbabwe advertising, mm. where if you remember the days of the famous Chibuku advert mm. with the man who, who rolls up his trousers and <laughs> listens for the Chibuku truck, you know, the Tanganda advert, Tanganda yes, the Ngwede Ngwede advert, advert. Ma, the perfection, the perfection so, so. you know, all of those ads. I mean, we have the Olivine advert with Tuku and Amara Brown, you know, there was magic in advertising in the 80s and early 90s, something that I feel, happened. I don't know what happened. 
What happened? Are you looking at me? Yes, I am. Okay. Because you, right. you are the generation above me who should have kept that going. Um, you know, so we but have. But you're bringing it back. We want to bring it back. Yeah. So, so I, I have that company registered, and I hope that we can start with the companies we're working with already. We've got a big conference coming up at the end of the year. One of my clients. We've got a huge media campaigning. We're running for another client, and they want to bring that magic back. And I'm happy to be able to put my mind into that kind of advertising because corporates have money, but sometimes they get lazy campaigns. Campaigns, you know, and there's nothing magical. If I asked you in the last five years, what's the most memorable, memorable advert? Yeah. Do you understand? None, none. How can we be talking about yeah. those ads yeah. from that far back? Mm. Remember the Bubblegummers advert, mm. the Tuffy's advert with the but rhino. You know, it's it's um, what I, my answer to that is yeah. going to be. Uh, I'm I'm sad to say this, but we've allowed mediocrity in our country all across. Okay. They, there's, they, they, there's little effort that's put by the banks, mm. by the lawyers, mm. by the doctors. I'm sorry. We have, are so comfortable with the mediocrity. Yeah. And it's about time that we, we step it up. I'm delighted that you're coming back to do, to do that. <laughs>
by Ngugi Wationgo, mm-hmm. a Kenyan author. It was one of my set books in high school. Um, and it has actually been translated in Shona um, now in Zimbabwe. Okay. Um, that's how good it is. And I think the Africanacity in it, mm. for me, the way that he describes Uhuru, you could literally place that scene in any African country. Wow. The way he talks about the ground trembling on that day. He talks about the sunset, the air, what you can smell, what, you know, it could be Africa anywhere. Do you get what I mean? Mm. And he did it so well. And it's a beautiful story um, and well written um, and that an African man can take the English language and command it so well. Mm. Um, So that's one. The second would be a trilogy by an author called Francine Rivers. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes. Yes. So it's a trilogy. It's called The Mark of the Lion, yeah. set in the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm such a historian at heart. I, I don't live in this era. I think I was born in the wrong time. <laughs> I do. God and I need to have a conversation. Yeah. Um, but I'm obsessed with that Roman Empire, the gladiators, you know, that whole time. And so the, the, it's a love story based on faith as well, Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love the, the the idea of the love story. I love the Roman Empire, the gladiators and everything. My favorite movie is actually The Gladiator. Um, and, you know, it's it's a beautiful love story. Um, Three-part series, definitely a must-read fiction, but mm. based on facts. Beautiful. Um, third book? Third book, The Bible. Mm. I'll say no more. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, I've enjoyed this. I have too. I've enjoyed this. Thank you so <laughs> thank much. You. Thank you. So what a much. delight to be it, on the it's, famous it's, show and oh, conversation. Thank you. With Trevor. It's been, it's been amazing. But yeah. for me, what's been profitable for me is watching you grow yeah. to that little giggly, giggly girl, girl on the plane. To this brand. Thank you. Um, well done. <laughs> thank you. Keep up the energy. Will do. Uh, pick up, keep up the authenticity. Mm. You cannot fake authenticity. Yeah, you can't. So keep it no, up. No, you can't. Uh, we love what you do. Thank you. We watch what you do. We're wishing you all the very best. Majita. Right. Appreciate it and God bless you. And may you continue to flourish. And this program is, yeah, it's going to take Zimbabweans to places they never thought they could be. Thank you. I've Africa, seen the people Africa, you've interviewed. Yeah, yeah Africans. Africa. You have given women, men. I, I've enjoyed Thank your you. conversations. Thank you very yeah. much. Ruveneko mm. Elsie. Thank you so much. You've been in conversation with Trevor. Allow me to wrap up his show. He didn't expect this, did he? So you have been watching Conversation with Trevor. If you liked this conversation, don't forget to like, subscribe and share.